The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. We are recording this Tuesday afternoon about 3 p.m. Eastern, and the Big Ten just said, nope, not going to be playing football this fall. Well, maybe this will open up uh, some more conferences opt out, some football for you on Saturday, some NFL football for you to to fill the void. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, we're going to answer your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Going to answer your Apple podcast questions as well. And later on in the show, we're going to be joined by a special guest, NFL analyst for Sportsline, RJ White. He's coming on to tell us some of his favorite bets and answer some fantasy questions. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. Oh, boy. I'm a little upset about this uh this college football news, guys. Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, let's see what happens. Uh, maybe the uh, teams can find a way to play in some other conferences this year, change some schedules around. That'd be fun. I can't, you can't play football without the Big Ten. You love the Big Ten. Jamie, are you saying that like a couple of the schools in the Big Ten are going to find a, like, you know, a bunch of other schools to just show up and play against this year? Oh, I would imagine if they could find a way for the, you know, Ohio State to play Alabama. <laughs> well, Nebraska, Nebraska said we're playing. Well, this was yesterday anyway, or Monday. Nebraska's like, we're playing. We want to play no matter what. If we have to, if it's not in the Big Ten, we want to play. So I guess they're, it's I possible. They're, they're, this isn't done, I don't think, by any stretch. <sighs> well, it's very disappointing. It's, right. Yeah. I was sad. Yeah. Now you've given me a, a reason to hope. <laughs> I'm kind of smiling. Kind of smiling. If not let those kids transfer, man. Let them play. To where? Well, okay. You know what? By the, I'm, I'm afraid that by the time people hear this episode, <laughs> every other conference is going to have said no, but we shall see. So anyway, let's talk about the NFL. Got some, some news to get to here. Lamar Miller. You want to react to Lamar Miller? He's on the Patriots. How about that? Uh, yeah. Yay. Another, uh, <laughs> another mouth to feed in that backfield of, uh, of Blech. Um, it's a bad sign for Sony Michelle. I think it's going to mean he's opening the season on the pup list. Um, if not, it's a really bad sign for Damien Harris that they would bring in a 29 year old veteran for one year to stunt his growth even further. So, uh, my guess is, it's more of Michelle not being healthy, ready to go. Uh, they have a veteran out there that they like that could do some different things because he could, you know, when he's used in the passing game can still be a viable option there. So, uh, it almost makes it very difficult to draft Sony Michelle anywhere in the first probably 10 or 12 rounds um, in any format. James White's really the only Patriots running back I would draft, and uh, it's only in PPR, really, for the most part. What about Lamar Miller? If he goes zero RB, would you take Lamar Miller in the 10th round or something like that? Sure. If Michelle's on the pop list, sure. If, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of qualifiers, and that's the biggest one, is if Sony Michelle starts the season on reserve pop, then you'll feel a little bit better about taking Lamar Miller. I mean, is he even guaranteed to make the team just because he signed the one-year deal? How much money is guaranteed? We don't know. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like Jamie does here. I, I think James White's the only one who's worth a darn, and everyone else is just kind of you know stay away. Think about the aging running backs that we've talked about in the last two weeks, three weeks, whatever it's been. Uh, I would put Peterson one, McCoy two, Miller three. Week one, Miami though. Chance. Oh, revenge game, Ch- dude! Oh, if, if Miller is truly the the lead guy for the Patriots, he he might have to be number one, and not number three. We just don't know. For right now, sure, put him third. Put him on your mind. Don't put him on your draft list. And I, I'll, I'll qualify that three guys I will not be drafting this year: Adrian Peterson, Lashawn McCoy, and Lamar Miller. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, Joe Mixon. I, I did want to read something about Joe Mixon here. Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL writer. He wrote a whole. He wrote a notes column today. Check it out on the website, cbsports.com slash NFL. Uh, Mixon is a beast in pass protection. One of the game's elite talent. 
talents running in the open field and an absolute terror as an airback, catching screens and swing passes and turning them into game-altering sequences. Factor in that Burrow is a rookie. He hasn't been around the team at all. There will only be two weeks of padded practices and no preseason games before the regular season begins and the Bengals play in one of the better divisions in football. Oh, yeah, and their defense may well stink again. It's easy to see why Mixon may be in line for as much volume and touches as any back in the NFL. He then goes on to say he could be well-positioned as Christian McCaffrey was a year ago to explode. In fact, if there is a full season, I fully anticipate that Mixon will be the run CMC of the AFC this season. And finally, he says, uh, JLC says, you can't chat with Coach Zach Taylor for any time and not come away with a distinct sense. He truly began to understand and appreciate the ability of this back as last season played out and intends to lean on him heavily in 2020. What do you think? Love it. I mean, you know, if you think Joe Mixon has a chance for a big year, uh, you know I do. Um, it, it'd be a big surprise if he's that involved in the passing game, but that was the next hurdle, you know, because you know he's going to get the carries. You know he's going to work at the goal line. You know they're going to leave him on the field. We saw, you know, to JLC's point, Zach Taylor realizing it. Well, when did it come? Right after their bye week, you know. So, okay, he took a week to evaluate his team after the first half. Uh, maybe coincides with Mixon getting healthy from that ankle injury. He's in a contract year. He's, you know, made it vocal, or at least his camp has made it vocal about, you know, maybe holding out before the CBA was uh, redone and and maybe not a good idea to hold out. But in any event, uh, money's on his mind. <laughs> you know, he's got uh, he's got the chance for a good season. Offensive line is getting, you know, fortified with Jonah Williams coming back. So um, there, there's a lot to like. He's he's certainly in that in that first round conversation for a reason. And if you, uh, you know, you like him better than Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, you like him better than Miles Sanders. He could be the sixth running back off the board. And I don't think a lot of people would be too upset about that. If they saw it happen. Back to back seasons with at least 280 touches, 1400 total yards and eight total touchdowns. And last year he was averaging over 15 fantasy points per game in non PPR uh, over those last eight, when the Bengals coaching staff finally figured out how to use him, I think he's a first round pick easy. How many catches for Mixon? I'm hoping for 40. 48. Hoping for 40. What'd you say, Dave? 48, 48. All right. That'll be pretty big. If he that's gets like a third of what CMC gets, if he gets so, 48 catches though, and he finishes as a top five running back, and then I have to alter my stat to, to 48 or fewer catches. Like, I'm going to be furious. Uh, okay, we got a lot more to get to today, including pretty awesome giveaway we've got. 75-inch and 55-inch TV. You want one of these? The contest, it's completely free to enter. Go to cbssports.com slash giveaway. And we're also going to include the link in the episode description, but we're giving away to our loyal listeners as a thank you, a 75-inch TV and a 55-inch TV to celebrate draft season. The giveaway ends August 17th. You're running out of time. CBSSports.com slash giveaway. And please join our Facebook group. Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click the link in the episode description. You can chat with us throughout the season, throughout draft season. Uh, Shout out to Robert Thomas and Ben Schrager who do a great job moderating that group. Ask keeper questions, join leagues, Make friends with other fantasy football players around the world. Um, and yeah, fantasy football today on Facebook or just click the link in the episode description. Dude, you're running out of time, man. You've got a uh, podcast league, bro. I thought about that. Yeah, it haunted me a little bit. Draft is in three weeks, man. All right. We got to start getting that. I'll make an announcement. I'll make an announcement <laughs> this week. <laughs> so stressful. If you're watching on YouTube, Adam is making a show over there. No, I just, it's very stressful. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of like, we get a lot of submissions, but we have fun with it. Uh, in terms of news and notes, let's see. We got a lot of stuff. Dolphins signed Chester Rogers. They're pretty thin at receiver. Jarvis Landry's off pup. Mohamed Sanu's off pup. Lane Johnson, Philadelphia's left tackle. He's off the reserve COVID-19. Right tackle. Right right tackle. tackle. Sorry, Andre Dillard, I guess, will be their left tackle. Yep. Reserve COVID-19 list. He's off that list. Um, Cincinnati cornerback Trey Waynes hurt his pector his pecs. That's uh, not good. He could be an important player for them. Their defense could be bad already. T.Y. Hilton. There's a lot of buzz on T.Y. Hilton. It's like, like the second time I saw in Roto World a quote from the coaching staff about how T.Y. Hilton's supposed to have a big year and he's expected to be back anytime soon. You guys buying it? Yeah. No. Ooh. Go on. No, I, I I think he can have a good year. I don't know if he's got the deep speed still 
to be uh, to finish as like a top 15 type of fantasy wide receiver. I think everybody's going to be comfortable taking him as a number two option, but I wonder if he might only have a ceiling to be like a thousand yards and six touchdowns. That's okay. That that's definitely a number two wide receiver, but I I'm at the point now. I was not a big Stefan Diggs fan in PPR. I will take Diggs ahead of T Y Hilton at this point. I think there's a lot of, a lot of good pass catchers in that Indianapolis offense, and they're going to run the ball a decent amount too. I think T.Y. Hilton's opportunities are going to start to to slide a little, and I'm not sure he's still the same explosive guy he was a couple of years ago. I hope it slides because that only makes it better value if he does hit. And Adam, you've talked about this time and time again. When he's had good quarterback play, he's played pretty well. And so, you know, I don't think Phillip Rivers at this point is peak Andrew Luck, but he's certainly probably better than Jacoby Brissett and what we've seen, you know, to the last three seasons. So if you get him at the right price, our ADP on CBS puts him around six. That's not a bad, you know, swing for the fence type of play. So he's still in the number two receiver conversation. I, I think Dave's right. You know, Stephon Diggs and PPR is, is a better call. Um, you know, but it, it, he's in that conversation with Diggs, in the conversation with AJ Green's, in the conversation, uh, I think, for a similar boom bust type of guys like Will Fuller and, and Marquise Brown. Um, you know, so if Hilton is, is right, you're going to be thrilled with the guy that you get. If you get the guy that missed six games last year and struggled through some soft tissue injuries like he's dealing with now, then you're going to be frustrated. But is he, is T.Y. Hilton behind both? Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf. He is for me easily. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you have to, you know, they're, they're similar type of guys in terms of, you don't expect high volume reception totals. So, you know, you're, you're hoping for big yards and, and touchdowns. And at this point, you know, with Seattle's offense being what it is with, you know, the, the number two receiver for the Seahawks with not a lot around him besides Tyler Lockett, you know, you could throw in the tight ends, but I mean, Indianapolis, we hope is going to use Paris Campbell more. We hope they're going to, you know, get Michael Pittman on the field. Uh, they'll throw to Naheem Hines. They'll throw to their tight end. So, uh, yeah, I think Metcalf has a higher ceiling. Okay, Dave, I'm going to give you this news item here, a couple of news items about rookie running backs. Cam Akers sure. could get some Wildcat snaps for the Rams. He's a former high school quarterback, I believe. Uh, yep. Apparently has a great arm. So Cam Akers, they could use him in some gimmick plays and Wildcat formations. And uh, according to the running backs coach for the Washington football team, Randy Jordan, Antonio Gibson will need time to learn pass protections and pick up blitzes. It's not really a surprise. Uh, so, what do you think? Well, I, I figure that Gibson would get more work right away and probably for the balance of this season as a pass catcher and not as a ball carrier. I've said, you know, 200 carries or so since high school for Antonio Gibson, not the type of seasoned rookie running back you'd like to have. So Randy Jordan's right. And fortunately for Washington, they've got a bunch of other running backs that can handle pass protection that know how to work between the tackles. Gibson shouldn't be pressed into that role. It's, it's all the more reason why I don't think you can take Gibson in round seven or round eight, just because Darius Geis is no longer with Washington. And it, it would be kind of funny for the Rams to use Cam Akers as a Wildcat quarterback and take their $100 million quarterback off the field and start running Wildcat a little more often. But that could be a dangerous Wildcat duo with Akers and Daryl Henderson because both those guys are fast. Both those guys can make moves. That That's something that they can definitely add to the repertoire, but I don't believe that you're going to see Cam Akers throw uh, you know, an extra three or four touchdowns over the course of the season. I think it'll be a wrinkle they throw in you know, every once in a while. I don't think it'll be like what the Dolphins were doing with Ronnie Brown once upon a time. But I think you said about Antonio Gibson, don't take him in round eight or something like that. But if it's going to take him time to learn pass protection and blitz pickups, and he's not going to be a ball carrier, why would I draft him at all? Dave, because you said think, 70 catches for him. If he's getting 70 I, catches, you should take I, him in that range. Because I, no, I don't think so, because I think he might get less than 50 carries. Yeah, and but so I mean, 70 to, catches puts him in the Tariq Cohen, James White neighborhood. Yeah, but I'd rather have Cohen and White, but he's he's close to that neighborhood. I don't and see that, how he's getting 70 catches if he's not playing as much as he's going to play. I think he plays a lot. I just don't think he lines up in the backfield where a traditional running back lines up a lot. I think you're going to see him out wide in the slot, moving around pre-snap. He's a good route runner. Remember, he he went to the combine and, and basically the senior bowl as a wide receiver prospect, not as a running back prospect. And then Washington drafts him and they go, no, no, he's a running back for us. But I, I think this year, the fact that they couldn't really work with him on his skills as a ball carrier, as a pass protector, I bet you see him used a lot of the same ways that he was at Memphis, which is as a pass catcher. That's what his strengths are. 
And it would be smart for Washington to do that because they need pass catchers in this offense. McLaurin's a stud. Steven Sims is a sleeper. Uh, Gandy Golden, if he can take a step quickly, he could certainly help out Washington. But outside of those three guys, I, I think I think Gibson might be their next best option. Okay. Could be J.D. McKissick, too, which is going to ruin a lot of people's day. <laughs> Uh, let's go read some emails. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. And then we'll do Apple podcast questions. And then we'll be joined by RJ White in uh, about 15, 20 minutes or so. This is from Bill in Farmington, uh, Farmington, Michigan. And he says, I'm curious if Ben Gretsch knows this 90s cult classic. Dear Peter, Samir, Michael, and Milton. You guys know that, right? I'm pretty sure I know it. Oh, you're, this is pathetic. It's office space. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right, right. Come on. Boy, I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently... Who remembers Michael their Bolton. names? I just remember the O-Face. Oh, come on. That, that's what you remember from that movie? What, did you all no, see I the remember, trailer? I remember the movie. Got to have a lot of flair, but I don't remember their names. Oh, no. Michael Bolton? Remember, he's like, you can just oh, call yeah. me Mike. Yeah. And beating up the, the, uh, the office Copy equipment. Machine. Yeah, terrific. Yep. Have I, you seen my stapler? I've recently that was Milton. I've recently been drafting in best ball leagues. I noticed that I have no confidence in knowing which wide receivers are going to going to be viable options for the Eagles this year. Is Al- Alshon Jeffrey even going to be around? Give me your thoughts on the Eagles receivers. I think that they they clearly want to be a faster team. First of all, they want healthy receivers because last year they ended with like one street free agent, healthy receiver. And then JJ Arcega Whiteside really wasn't that good. They want speed at wide receiver. They got it with Rager. They drafted two other rookies who are going to create speed, but I don't know how much they play. They kept Deshaun Jackson, despite the fact that he's 33 years old and had core muscle surgery and didn't exactly have a happy off season. They stuck with him. They're, they, they seem to be okay with Alshon Jeffrey coming back, but he's not going to be as explosive. He's going to be a big, he's a, basically going to be another tight end for them. And he's been inconsistent for fantasy all along. So I, I still think that they're going to be, they're going to look deep. You know, Carson Wentz is going to have that eye to look deep, but he's going to end up throwing to the tight end still a decent amount with Ertz getting a, a, a slew of those touches and the running backs getting a lot of work as well. Rager is my favorite of the Eagles wide receivers. I think he's got a shot to get close to a thousand yards this year with five or six touchdowns. I think it's a situation to avoid unless you get it at the right price. So if you can get any of these guys in the double digit rounds, and I think that's the earliest you should go, then it's certainly take the one that you like the best. I agree with Dave. I think Rager has the most upside because Deshaun has a hard time staying healthy. Alshon clearly is not healthy. Um, but as Dave said, the tight ends are going to be heavily involved. We know the running backs are going to be involved. So I would certainly take the under on a thousand yards for Jalen Rager. Uh, maybe five touchdowns is, is realistic, but um, you know he's he's Rager's not my favorite rookie wide receiver. Uh, and again, I I think it's just going to be very very messy over the course of the year. Real quick, would you take Jalen Rager or a Giants wide receiver? I would take Slate, the top two sure. Giants wide receivers for sure. And uh, I'm getting close to moving Golden Tate higher than he is right now. For sure, in PPR, I'll take Shepard as well. Slayton, I love this year, but Slayton and Shepard over Rager in PPR. I believe I have Rager ranked ahead of Shepard and non. Yeah, I love how Heath was like, yesterday was like, oh yeah, well, he didn't say this, but he meant that, you know, you de- I definitely should have taken Philip Lindsay over Darius Slayton. He just like completely... No, uh, I don't like that. I mean, like, I guess... I mean, unless I, he really I, thinks that Melvin Gordon is going to completely fall off and, you know, get lost in the Rockies or something like that, and Philip Lindsay just steps up again. We report out today that Philip Lindsay put on some more muscle this offseason. Well, yeah, Slane's getting, Slane's getting overdrafted a little bit, but, um, you know, if you, if you get the upside of what he could be, then you're going to be in good shape. 700 yards and eight touchdowns as a rookie. 14 games as a rookie last year. Yeah, but most of that He's game with the other guy's not healthy, though. That's okay. He's still the best receiver they've got. I don't know if that's the case. I think Shepard might be better. Jamie, who are you drafting first, Slayton or Shepard? I'm taking Slayton in non-PPR because I do think he has the highest ceiling, but I think Shepard is the better of the two receivers, uh, and so I think he's going to catch more passes and see more targets. Okay. Yeah, I see it a little differently. I think Shepard's good. I think Slayton's just better, more upside for fantasy. Go ahead, Adam. Email from Josh. In the Cowboys' eight losses, Dak Prescott threw 42.25 times per game. In their eight wins, he threw 32.25 times per game. I don't know if that's true, by the way. Uh, I meant to look that up, and I forgot. Sorry. If we expect the Cowboys to be better this year, as I think many people do, shouldn't we expect negative regression from Dak? And Jamie, you at one point showed me a tweet 
about the amount of production Prescott had in these like come from behind games like late in the fourth quarter and whatnot. Uh, it's an interesting point, but also like that's it's not like they're never going to be trailing at all this year. What do you make right. of this? Uh, I mean, look, Dak is in in a great spot because of his receiving core, because of his offensive line, because of his play caller. Uh, he's still again betting on himself to go out and get a big deal, but if the run game is leading the way and you know cd lamb has a hard time adjusting as a rookie and michael gallup missed some time last year and cooper played through some injuries there, there's there's some downside there so he may not get to the same heights he may play better and they may have a better playoff run than they did a year ago uh, by not making the playoffs altogether so um you know it could be uh it could be a successful season for him in terms of wins and losses and helping the cowboys get to where they want to eventually go but his numbers could come down. I would not be surprised if that's the case. But, you know, you're banking on what he did a year ago with the weapons that he has, and so that's why he's a top-six quarterback. Okay. I think his receiving core is more explosive this year than it was last year, if you include the tight ends especially. Sure. It's Jarwin. I mean, Jason Witten isn't really running very fast, but Jarwin can, and you've got Lamb ahead of Randall Cobb. That's a no-brainer, and you've got the top two receivers coming back. So maybe the, the attempts go down down in both situations maybe he throws less in wins and in losses i bet the efficiency goes up and i bet he still runs a good amount i am very comfortable with him as my number three quarterback okay and i looking at the game log i think those stats are probably right he did throw a lot more in losses than he did in wins they also lost their sack leader and their best cornerback from last year right i mean quinn was their their sack leader and their center center. okay but the center replacement's going to be okay next email is from Chris from the best city in Texas, Dave. Galveston. I'll give this one to Dave Richards since he knows a lot about Texas. Dear Bob, David, Ted, Johnny, and Patrick. Ooh, no idea. What players? Wait a minute. Give me the names again. Yeah. Bob, David, Ted, Johnny, and Patrick. No, I don't know. Johnny and Patrick made me think about quarterbacks that played football in texas okay i don't know if they have a texas team or not they're all from they're all galveston natives uh the question is which players are being drafted very late or not at all who could make for good late round keeper options for 2021 hmm uh, by the way this is a show that i just started watching three days ago this is uh and you don't know the characters i guess not and I don't feel comfortable saying the name of the show because it's just a curse word. So I'm just going to say it's from Poops Creek. Poops Creek. All right, late round picks that aren't going to pay off this year but are good keepers for 2021. They're definitely not going to pay off this year? No, but they might. AJ Dillon. I'll start with AJ Dillon, just the first name that I kind of came across. Looking I was say Josh Kelly, he may, he may not win the job, but he could be good next year. Um, there are a lot of receivers. Uh, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk. Um, Michael Pittman. Okay, cool. That yeah, works for me. That, that's really a great place to start is all the rookie receivers that have good college pedigrees but aren't going to get drafted in redraft leagues. Do they have to Higgins, be um, Higgins, great? They're going to be rookies, right? No. No. Oh, Irv Smith. Take Irv Smith, please. What about Debo? You can get Debo Samuel pretty late. I don't think his career is over just because he's going to start the season with a on the pup list. Cool. Okay, from Tim. I'd love to hear you guys talk about how a two-quarterback league would affect your auction values. Specifically, Tim, I think, wanted to know about would you ever spend big on two elite running backs or something? Because last year he got McCaffrey and Kamara, and his quarterbacks kind of stunk. Um, it's easy to do it in a one-quarterback league. Like, you could definitely make the case for it. But in a two-quarterback league, you know, can you? What do you, how do things change, I guess? I, I'm not sure I would be willing to spend a big chunk of my budget on two non-quarterbacks. You got a hit on, you know, Stafford, what he did in the first half. And hopefully that's the case for a full season. You got to get lucky with somebody like Minshew, you know, who was a borderline top 12 guy. Uh, You know, Daniel Jones have some of those weeks. So you can still get by with it, but it's not going to feel good coming out of your drafts or your auction, how that looks, because, you know, you like to see star power, you know, top tier guys. Unless you get good values on your quarterbacks and i think there's still there are still a lot of people that don't want to spend up for good quarterbacks startable quarterbacks top 12 types of quarterbacks and maybe that changes to a degree in a two quarterback draft but i don't i don't see people you know 
putting up their fists to fight over Drew Brees and Tom Brady in an auction. Not like they will for the top six quarterbacks. So maybe you let those top six quarterbacks go, and they'll go for big amounts. And and then you just try and weasel your way into at least one nice quarterback value from someone in the top 12. And then you just get two cheaper quarterbacks later on. And uh, you'll probably have plenty left over to spend on those running backs. Are you ready to go rapid fire on questions to, before we bring on RJ White? Hold on, hold yeah. on. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, cool. This is from Matt in Denver. Have, have, uh, can you talk about the potential upside of Duke Johnson? David no. Johnson gets hurt, and Duke Johnson's the starter. What's I the mean, upside we think that's then? what's going to happen, but we've been talking about Duke Johnson's upside his entire career. Uh, okay, let's let's say David Johnson got hurt tomorrow. When would you draft Duke Johnson? Not as soon as Jamie would. Round eight. Oh, right. oh maybe, maybe as soon as Jamie would. <laughs> okay, next. Joshua Harrison. How come nobody brings up that Josh Jacobs was injured in week five and played with a fractured shoulder the rest of the season? And DeAndre Washington had 100 carries and 30 receptions, which mostly should go to Josh Jacobs. Yes, agree. Mm. I don't know that all those receptions are going to him. No. The I bet, I bet RJ's going to tell you he likes Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, probably. I know RJ does like him. Uh, also, just keep in mind with the injury thing, that was... A question that people had about Josh Jacobs, he didn't get a big workload in college. We still don't know if he can handle it, but your point is taken. He played He played hurt. Jeff in South Jersey, I'm keeping DK Metcalf for a ninth-round pick in my 12-team PPR league. I keep seeing Tyler Lockett in round four of mock drafts, but I'm reluctant to take two Seahawks wide receivers. Would you take Lockett or pivot to another receiver ranked a little lower, in this, but in the same range that's not on DK Metcalf's team, basically? One of the few teams where I wouldn't mind having both receivers is Seattle because and I know that sounds crazy because they've been so like their mantra is just to run, run, run. I, I could see that changing this year, be it because Pete Carroll wakes up and realizes, oh, I've got this, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. Maybe I should let him throw before the fourth quarter or because their defense just isn't going to be quite as good. Their pass rush really is a huge question mark. And I wonder if that forces them to just that they have to take to the air. Okay. Apple Podcast questions from Parisian Bubs. 12-team PPR, 1QB Dynasty League. What's up, Bubs? Hey, Bubs. Give up Leonard Fournette. Get Chris Carson and and Matthew Stafford. Yay or nay? Oh, my God. Yes. Give up Leonard Fournette and get that? Oof. Awesome job. Good job, Bubs. This is from The Great White Hark. Uh, at what point in the season can you determine if a good streaming tight end can become a good breakout candidate and a weekly starter? That's a good question. When you stop looking for other tight ends off the waiver wire. And we saw two last year with Waller and Andrews. You know, I don't think they were qualified yep. as, as streamers, but they were certainly late round guys that we were talking about. Um, we also yeah, saw I, Hawkinson, though, in week one get like 130 yards. That's the flip side of it. Perfect, perfect example. Yeah, I don't know. You probably need like... Three or four weeks, maybe, to at least sort them out. I think it comes down to: Do you have the roster space to carry a second guy? If after three or four weeks, the guy that you drafted, you did not plan to draft for the entire season, and then somebody else creeps up that you think you want to stash, also. If you don't, then you just stick with the guy that you have. This is from Joe Shred Four. What round should Joe Burrow go in in a twelve-team Superflex redraft league? He's Double probably going to go in that round six to eight range, depending on how quickly quarterbacks go off the board. Double digits, Dave, in a super Double flex digits. league? Yeah. Never going to happen. All right. Then I don't get Joe Burrow this year. It's a redraft. You said redraft. 12-team super flex keeper. redraft. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Okay. There's plenty of other quarterbacks. Wait, wait. It's a redraft rookie draft? No, no, no. no. Super flex redraft league. Oh, I thought you said rookie in there. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. Know. He's going to go in that round six to eight range. That's when second quarterback start to go. From Josh Martin. <laughs> I have the. Sorry, one. I was I was just reaching. <laughs> That's the guy taking Ronald Jones in round four. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not really taking Jones in round four. I mean, maybe in some non PPR leagues, but five six on Rojo. We we had to talk about Ronald Jones at some point on the podcast. We had to hit our quota. Go ahead, Adam. From Josh Martin, I have uh, pick one point nine in my rookie only dynasty draft. Should I take Rugs, Pittman, Chenault, or Tua? I currently have Matt Ryan and Drew Locke. Rug. Yeah. Do you guys think of Lethal Weapon when you talk about him? Because of Riggs? Yeah. No. No. But now you will. This is from Kyle. In a one-year keeper league, where do you target the rookie running backs? 
Ta. <laughs> in a one-year keeper league? Uh-huh. Um, right about where I'm drafting them now. Right but I think to, is now. to sort of tie in the earlier other question, then you pull the trigger a little bit early on guys like AJ Dillon and maybe Josh Kelly, just because if they do hit, they could be awesome next year. So don't let them go by too soon. Thanks everybody for your questions, for your Apple podcast comments. Very much appreciated. Helps us grow. And uh, even though we're a big podcast, we still want to keep growing and you know, uh, we appreciate your help. So tell your friends, spread the word and stick around. When we come back, we'll tell you some of the best bets, you know, teams to place wagers on, prop bets, stuff like that. Plus some more fantasy talk with RJ White of Sportsline right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we are now joined by R.J. White, longtime colleague, does a lot of fantasy drafts with us, Sportsline NFL analyst, expert wagerer. I don't know if people have ever called you that. R.J., welcome to the show. Thanks. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, do you like coming on this show or pick six better? Be honest. Uh, I'm more regular on pick six, so I have to say that. I have to throw my allegiance in with the Brinson. Uh, you hate Will Brinson. Come on, tell us all. We know. I, I, it's a love-hate relationship. I love to hate Brinson. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, me too. I have, I have that relationship with Princeton too. Actually, the RJ episodes of the Pick 6 podcast are my favorite. RJ and Pete are like from different planets. Both <laughs> planets have football. The same football. But they're just, I don't know, everybody on the, on the planet just f- thinks differently about football. I love it. Those are really, really fun episodes. I encourage everyone to listen. Uh, RJ, we, we want you to tell us who to play some wagers on, the best bets this season. And I've got uh, we got to talk player props as well. And I've got some fantasy questions for you as well. But where do you want to start it in terms of futures? Yeah, so I had three teams I looked at that, that I like right now that I think the value's off. The first one's the Steelers. Um, I think that they're one of the, the three best teams in the AFC. I would put them a step behind the Ravens and Chiefs, which everybody loves. But I don't see why they couldn't be the third best team in the AFC. So their over is nine, uh, minus 120. I would take that over. But I more particularly like them to make the playoffs at minus 125. In a 17-team field, they seem to me like a clear top seven team in the league. So I think minus 125 is a price I'm willing to play. pay. I, I think they're getting slept on. I think if Ben is healthy, you know they're going to come back really good. The defense is elite. They have stars on every level of that defense. So if the offense is closer to what they had in 2018, I don't see why this isn't a 10-11, maybe even 12 win team they play the nfc east which is probably the best nfc division to go up against this year that should be a minimum two wins if not four wins i think they've got a chance to do well there and uh they also go up against the afc south those will probably be well three of the four should be high scoring games and Maybe all four end up being high scoring for the Steelers. So it's it's really a good schedule. You tack on the Bengals, that's probably two wins. The Browns, at worst, they split with them. I'm with you. I think that they can get at least 10 wins this year. Isn't and that usually play. a good formula, RJ? Whenever you get a, a a star player coming back, like you know, looking at where they finished the year before and and what they're able to do coming into the next year and getting Roethlisberger back at 100. percent I mean, you said it. The defense was great. They make the move to get Mika Fitzpatrick. That solidified everything on the back end of that defense and. Man, that pass rush looks amazing. Uh, you know, if James Conner stays healthy, the run game should be, you know, very solid. And 
should be, uh, you know, you, I think you can make an argument that they may be better than top three. They could be top two. Yeah, and I also I don't mind you know throwing a little bit on the uh, Steelers to win the AFC at twelve to one. I think that's a good value. You yep. know they're they're about sitting mm. where the, the teams like Buffalo and the Colts are, and I think that they've proven more than those teams at this point. So if Ben is healthy and he's healthy for sixteen games, you know assuming we get sixteen games, uh, I would take them and Mike Tomlin as a as a so, you know solid coach who's been in the league for however many years. He isn't going to be as overwhelmed as some of these new coaches that are having to step in and try to take over a team in a pandemic. So. I mm. think you got to throw your lot in with those type of guys. Steelers have done it before. Why, why wouldn't they do it again? Yep. That's continuity. one of the reasons the, one of the reasons why they're my favorite DST is that continuity. And not only do they have it on defense, they also have it on the offensive line. I think it's four or five starters are back on the O-line for them. That's really good. They're, they've got a lot of fundamentals in their favor. All right, RJ, team number two after the Steelers. What else are you seeing? So I'm going to go against the grain on this one. Uh, everybody loves to bag on the Texans. You know, every year they make stupid moves. They trade away guys they shouldn't mm. trade away. And then uh, they're undervalued going into the season. But they've won the division for the last five years. You know, we consistently slam them. But once you get on the field, Bill O'Brien turns out to be a pretty good coach. He just can't handle personnel moves. So losing Hopkins is tough, but that offense still has good depth at receiver. You know, we, we've been speculating, are they going to even trade Kenny Stills or another guy? Because they're just, they have so many able bodies at receiver and, and a lot of teams don't that offensive line really took a step forward when they got Tunsil in there to, to solidify the left tackle position. And then they got good contributions out of a pair of rookies in Titus Howard and uh, Max Sharping. So I think that offensive line is much better than it's been in years past, which has usually been the knock on them going into a season while we don't want to trust them. And then you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC South. I think Deshaun Watson is by far the best. I, I don't think Phillip Rivers coming in comes anywhere close to his level of play. And then you got your Gardner Minshews and your Ryan Tan Hills. We think Ryan Tannehill is going to take a step back from being the most efficient, you know, dangerous quarterback in the league like he was in the second half last year. That's not going to happen. So the Texans have plenty of question marks on defense, but I think you're getting good value on them overall. If you go over eight plus 135, make the playoffs at plus 155, and even a little bit on to win the division at plus 300. I mean, they've done it for the last five years. They could certainly do it again. And they're right now a long shot third place in that division. I spent uh, Monday afternoon on CBS Sports HQ arguing with Pete Prisco and Bryant McFadden. This exact same team, um, I, I made the case, I've said it here before, that I think Deshaun Watson can have an MVP season. You know, he's going to have to put the team on his shoulders as a contract year. Um, I, I'll say it again, he needs Will Fuller and, and Brandon Cooks to play the majority of the season, I think, for that to happen for him. But I think it all comes down to the defense, because I think the offense will be fine. Uh, you know, David Johnson, I don't think, is a step back from Carlos Hyde, so as long as he can produce at some level close to that, then they should be okay with their run game. Uh, you said that the offensive line is, is certainly better. The one concern would be, and this was the pushback I got from the other two guys, uh, I'm sure you guys would agree, is that first four games is tough. You know, that, that yep. starter schedule for them is, is brutal. But like you said, RJ, you know, Bill O'Brien, the coach, and Bill O'Brien, the GM, are two totally different people in how they operate. And so while Bill O'Brien, the GM, has made some questionable moves, Bill O'Brien, the coach, has managed to get through offensive line woes. J.J. Watt injuries the last couple of years. You know, Deshaun Watson's injury – uh, in 2017, you know, so he's, he's made good strides with this team. Um, again, some of the personnel decisions are a little bit questionable and the, and the draft pick compensation and whatnot that they've given up. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I think we're quick to say the Colts are maybe the best team in the division and obviously what the Titans did a year ago, but quarterback matters and they have the best one. And if he has the season, I think he's going to have, uh, they could win the division. I, I love all three of those, uh, uh, calls, uh, division, um, win total and, you know, cause nine and seven is not out of the realm of possibility for them, you know, if they struggle out of the gate. And so I think that's the, that's the one that I think I like the most. And let's talk about that out of the gate. They're at Kansas city, then Baltimore at home, then at Pittsburgh and then Minnesota at home. I, I think a pessimist might say at best they're one in three, but you, you, you go past that their next 12 games. They're really not that bad. They've got the other teams in the NFC North, the other teams in the AFC North and the rest of their teams in their division. And Jacksonville's defense, probably not going to be very good. Tennessee's defense, who knows how they're going to be. Indianapolis defense, probably a step forward, but I think Texans can run with them. So I, I don't hate where you're coming from, RJ. Yeah, and the other thing is you're getting a price of plus 135 and then over eight just because people are so down on them. So you have the chance of pushing, but if you get to that nine, you know, I think it's more likely they go nine than seven. Yep. And the 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 way the juice is lined up, you're getting a lot better value on the over than the under. So um, I think eight is kind of a worst case for me at this. Of course, Watson could get hurt and they could go four, four and 12, you know, so you can't really say worst case. Right. But this team as constructed now, you know, the way things line up for them, uh, eight 
anything less than eight and eight would be a little surprising to me. Do you see the defense, RJ, being as good as it was in previous years, or do you think they're taking a step back? No, I don't have a lot of confidence in them, um, but they were bad last year, and you know they they were still managed to win the division. So this team can win with a bad defense. They've shown that. Um, I all they need to do is take a little bit step forward. As long as Deshaun Watson is healthy, that's going to be enough to get them to nine or ten wins. As long as the defense isn't terrible, I think. We're doing this uh, this series on on HQ of previewing a team every every day. And we're going based on the odds. And I was shocked, <laughs> like we did the Texans on, on Monday. Uh, after the Texans of the Broncos, I, I said to our producer, Jack Capitorta, I go, the Broncos really have better odds than the Texans? He's like, no, it's the same. I'm like, you, you picked a horrible tiebreaker because I would take the, the Texans over the Broncos nine out of ten times. <laughs> I think they're going to have a much better season than Denver. Yeah. yeah, the way I look at these win totals is, you know, I, I give about 10 cents for each each uh, drop down in the juice. So minus 110 is even on both sides. And then if a team say they're nine wins and minus 110 even on both sides, if they're minus 120 on the over, then I'd say this a 9.1 win team. And so when you take that into account, because Houston is minus 155 on the under, they're right about equivalent with Denver, who's seven and a half minus 115 on the over. So it, it does seem that they're being stuck in that box with teams like Denver and the Raiders. And I think they're, they're they've proved a lot more than those teams. All right, so we got two undervalued teams, the Steelers, the Texans. What's the third team you're looking at? Yeah, I'm going to look at under now. I typically like to play unders because if you add up all the win totals on a board, they're always going to be more than 256. Uh, people like to bet overs, and you know the Vegas takes that into account when they build their line. So you, if you're, it's a lot easier for you to hit unders than overs. So what I tend to do is the teams that I'm positive on, like the Texans and Steelers, I look to play odds on on will they make the playoffs or will they win the division, and then I look for teams that I like unders. And the one in particular I love right now is Washington. Um, this season's all about resetting the culture for Ron Rivera. It's not about wins and losses. He's no, he's not, he's not going to get fired after one year. Um, so I don't think he has to worry about what the record's going to be. And the talent is almost non-existent on offense for this team. Uh, now the young quarterback has to worry about fighting for his job. Even if he wins it, there's been some talk of, of it's going to be a competition. Um, if Alex Smith is named the starter, I think, you know, five and a half is obviously attainable in that, that situation, but I don't think Rivera can go that route in a long-term rebuild. So this defense can be really good. The D line is stacked, uh, but you got to score points to win in the NFL. And then you look at one other long shot pick um you know not not you know they're plus 600 uh, to be the worst record and that's second in the league behind the jags who are the favorites at plus 300 uh the jags won twice as many games as washington last year and i like the direction they're going a little bit more than washington heading into 2020 so i would flip those i think washington should be the favorite for worst record being able to get them at six to one is a good value there the jets i see the jets are yeah. 12 uh i wanted to see the jets over under because they beat beat a lot of really crappy teams last year and they had a deceiving record but theirs is only six and a half so i don't think people really expect a lot from them what are we going to say dave i was going to say that first of all I, I think the jets might be the worst team in the league plus 1200 for that dave odds are. plus 1200 i don't mind that call i, I like I that like bet yeah, I like that one a lot because they've already lost two big playmakers on defense, and uh, I don't know if that offensive line will be ready to be much better than what it was last year. Washington's got the AFC North this year, so they've got dates against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland. They're also taking on the NFC West. Those are four offenses that are going to put up a lot of points on them. I I, I don't think I, – I think the question is, could they get to six wins? And that might make me a no. little nervous, no. but – I, I think I think five eleven or worse for Washington is very much in play. I mean, you think about it the the Giants are the closest thing to them in terms of competition. I think the Giants are in a much better spot, uh, especially you know based on RJ's premise about offense, because the offense for the Giants looks like it's light years ahead of where the offense is for Washington. And so I, I think you know Dallas is probably two losses. Uh, Philadelphia is probably two losses. They've mentioned the outer division schedule, so uh, they could That's be a tough, team that that picks picks up some momentum by the end of the year, you know, especially if Haskins starts to take some strides, but uh, you mentioned RJ, they, they lost three guys that they were counting on already offensively with um, Darius Geis, Kelvin Harmon and Cody Latimer, you know, so not that the latter two receivers were big playmakers for them, but now they're counting on a second year guy in Steven Sims, who I love a lot and a rookie in Antonio Gandy golden, who I also like, but they have no tight end to speak of. I mean, Logan Thomas is their best bet and he's just coming off the COVID reserve list. So it, it's, uh, I think the COVID was real, or maybe it's Pop, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, well, no, he, he was never on it. He had COVID-19. Got you. And was never on the list. Got but you. He, so, he tested positive at one point. 
So, I mean, you know, you're, you're losing guys left and right already before the season starts, and we know it's going to be a challenge throughout the season to begin with. So, yeah, it's a great call on Washington. Well, the other thing they have going against them is a new coaching staff, and RJ, I want to know how much you factor that in, continuity versus teams that are transitioning. Uh, the Redskins, the Giants are another team that I mean, think the Giants are set up to be pretty horrible. They've lost two, not starting defensive backs, but two players that were going to compete for a starting job. Um, they have, like I said, a new coaching staff. They lost their left tackle. They're also plus 1,200 to be the worst team in football. But the Redskins, the Giants, and, and the Panthers are on that list as well to be the worst team in football. Uh, how much does that factor in when you're talking about teams in this year with no mini camps and all these virtual meetings, trying to install new systems? Was that a big factor for you? Yeah, I think any team that has to deal with that, that, you know, turning over personnel year, year over year um, is going to be in trouble this year because you don't get that time in the offseason with guys in the building. You don't get the preseason that you normally would. So that definitely is a factor, um, especially if you're looking to bet games early in the season, definitely go against those teams. You know, looking at the also Rams, I, I had Jets as under as also one of mine that I could have said. Browns under is, is another one that's a new new coaching staff in place. Everybody's kind of high on them, though. They're, they're over-unders eight and a half. So um, the Browns haven't been successful. They haven't been a nine win team. And you know, what, what is it once in like 15 years or some crazy number like that? Uh, so people are again, expecting a lot from the Browns, but, um, with that new coaching staff in place, asking them to win nine games, that division is a lot. So I, I like them under, I would also look to other, you know, new coaching staffs as teams to fade, especially early on. I think the Steelers. Can I ask, can I ask one last question? Yeah, yeah, yeah about Washington, Adam, and it's for RJ. It's not for you, Adam. It's the same question. I'll, take, I asked I'll about field Houston. it, Dave. Go ahead. Is the Washington defense improved enough? I mean, the, the addition of Chase Young, uh, you got to love that. And their pass wish was already pretty good last year. No, yeah, it, it should be good, Sorry. you know, and I think that they will have a good defense, but defense isn't going to score that many points. So no. you're going to have to be like really good, you know, Pittsburgh level, good uh, San Francisco level, good for yeah. them to be competitive in these games. And I just don't see it happening. Well, I think their secondary in all seriousness is going to be a huge liability, but their defensive yeah. line appears to be pretty awesome. Right. Which can cover up a bad secondary. Hopefully. Uh, all right, cool. So those are three teams to keep an eye on. We are RJ's thinks that uh, the Steelers and the Texans are undervalued, maybe take their odds to make the playoffs or win a division. And uh, the Redskins under, we don't like them, not undervalued, just under their win total. We don't love the Redskins here. Uh, Player props, want to discuss some of your favorite props? Yeah, uh, last year I had most passing yards. I had Jameis Winston cash that at twelve to one, um, nice. and I'm kind of go back to the well with another twelve to one here with Matthew Stafford. That Detroit offense was humming along before his injury. He was on pace for about five thousand yards uh, passing yards per game, ranked second behind Jameis. Uh, that defense is going to be terrible again, so Stafford's going to have to throw it a ton. I think he has the seventh best odds in the most passing yards prop at plus twelve hundred. I will put him in the top three with Mahomes and Dak probably. So um, I think you're getting great value there. That's my one um, passing yards trying to hit it again two years in a row pick i think you're going to get a lot of a, a lot of applause for that one on this podcast i think I, sure. I have an applause button somewhere <laughs> oh that's the laugh button sorry hey that's the applause button. i didn't mean to laugh at you rj Let's give you a so the nba is not using you for sound effects so disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> sorry about you know that. stafford had 28 plus fantasy points in six of his first eight games i would love it if he could to find that pace again um, this year. He, he might end up being like the best possible late round quarterback you could get if he can do that and then stay healthy. But he never had COVID. He was on the COVID list at one point. He had a false positive and he's, he apparently is healthy, ready to go. Offense could be a little bit better this year with Hawkinson in his second season, Galladay a little more seasoned run game. They're going to say that it's much improved. I don't know how improved it'll be. Hopefully they can just narrow it down to one lead back with Swift and, and he can get in there and catch some passes to help Stafford out. Anything else, RJ? Any other player prop? Player props are fun, by the way. Yeah, I, I was looking at the most rushing yards. Last year I had Dalvin Cook at 20 to 1, and that was looking really good uh, for a large portion of the season. Then he fell off at the end, missed a couple games, ended up finishing. I don't know where he finished, but you know, he, he was in he was number one, I think, at the midpoint. This year I'm looking at Josh Jacobs for most rushing yards at plus fourteen hundred. Again, that's tied for the seventh best odds. I think he should be in the top three or four. He finished third in rushing yards per game last year behind Henry and Chubb. Uh, Carr had a really good year in 2019 without having the pressure of having to carry the offense by himself. And I think the Raiders are going to stay 
committed to feeding Jacobs and keeping the pressure off Carr uh, and hoping that he's as good la- this year as he was last year. So I think Josh Jacobs at plus 1400 is a good value. Long shots, maybe look at a guy like James Conner at 40 to one, you know, if he could stay healthy, but, but I love Jacobs at 14 to one. Oh, me too. I mean, uh, you said it, he was uh, on pace to be uh, top four in carries top three in yards per game. If he had played the the three games that he missed. And so, uh, yeah, he's got he's got a world of potential. Um, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, I'd like to see him catch the ball a little bit more too, from his fantasy perspective. But from a rushing scenario, that offensive line doesn't get enough credit, you know, for being as good as it is for Las Vegas. And now they add a very good blocking tight end in Jason Witten. You know, so we'll see how much he plays. But um, yeah, he's he's got a great shot. I like that call. RJ, who's ahead of him? Who has better odds than Jacobs? Yeah, so we're looking at the favorite is Derrick Henry at six to one. Uh, then you have Zeke at seven to one, Saquon at nine to one, Nick Chubb at nine to one, and then two guys at twelve to one are Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, we talked about Chubb on Tuesday's podcast and how he he might end up splitting a little bit more than we think he could with Kareem Hunt. That would be really bad. Uh, you shouldn't put any money on him to do that. Jacobs is a great pick. That's a great find at fourteen to one. Is that it? I got some fantasy questions I could fire at you, or do you want to do more props? No, that's all I had. I mean, I could try to dig through some of these numbers and find good value, but those were the two that stuck out to yeah. me uh, in terms well, of good, yardage. Good hosting, asking, yelling at the guest if he's done. With, yeah, uh, I didn't yell. I politely asked. You, you know, said, are you done? I didn't say that. I, well, maybe I said that, but I didn't say it like that. You know, more hosts, <laughs> more hosts, I think, should just step aside and be like, hey, guest, what do you want to talk about? That's great hosting, Jamie. You know, it's about listening. Uh, RJ, what are the what are the odds for receiving uh, receiving yards leaders? So uh, most regular season, and I should point out that in William Hill, all teams must play sixteen games for these props. So if you get even one cancellation, like you could just throw these props aside, like they'll be your money back. So maybe this isn't the best thing to invest if you're looking to get rich, you know, uh, in in four months down the line, because you might just get your money back. But the uh, receiving odds are Michael Thomas favorite at five to one. And you got Julio at nine to one, Chris Godwin at ten to one. Uh, three guys at fourteen to one are Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, and DeAndre Hopkins. And then Tyreek Hill at sixteen to one. And then probably the be- better value in conjunction with my Stafford pick, Kenny Galladay, is next at twenty to one. I mm-hmm. think that one's a decent, you know, play for a value pick. Trying to hit it with a lottery ticket. I don't know. I'd play any of the others. I, I love the Tyreek Hill one at sixteen to one. That one stands out to me in a big way. That's just yeah. receiving yards, right? That's it. Not catches. Right. Just receiving. Not necessarily yards. touchdowns. Adams at fourteen to one too is not bad. Yeah, that's true. But I, I like the odds better for Reek. All right, RJ. Um, what should we talk about now? Now, uh, let's let me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you some fantasy questions. You're not just a, a gambling guy. You play a lot of fantasy football. You do a lot of drafts with us. When do you take Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Uh, third round, I, I think we've done in our mocks. You've seen me take him, and even the top of the third round, I'm fine with that. As long as I can get, you know, two guys I like that uh, um, I think have high floors above him, then I just think the the um, the potential of those guys scoring a ton of points is too good over the the second and third tier of the position. So, given to me any time in the third round, I'm happy taking those guys. What is I want to your ask RJ question about a guy oh. that he's drafted a few times? Well, I'll do the hosting for you. Um, uh, it's a little polarizing here. Uh, the the guy that's the most anti-Emmanuel Sanders is not with us, Ben Gretsch. But you take Emmanuel Sanders quite a bit, RJ. What are your thoughts on him as the second receiver for the Saints? And I'll tell you what our Saints reporter told us on HQ after your answer. Yeah, he's he's such a good player. He came in, he changed that San Francisco offense um, just by being in there. You saw them rely on him a lot toward the end of the season. I think New Orleans is going to do that as well. You know, all the attention is going to go to to Michael Thomas with his incredible numbers last year, and I think that's going to free up things for Emmanuel Sanders, where he doesn't have to do as much as he did with San Francisco last year when he came. He didn't have to do as much as he did in Denver. He can really be a good complementary piece, and he is as high a quality wide receiver too, that they've had in that system in a long time. Usually they're relying on guys like, you know, uh, Ted Ginn or, you know, throw in your, your undrafted free agent that you like best as, as their wide sure. receiver too. Traquan Smith um, has been, it's been Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith the last two years. Last three years so, I mean, that is such a huge jump in value. It's the best system he's played in in a long time. I think he has a potential to have a sneaky good, you know, one of the best wide receiver twos in the league, which will put him what top 30 or so top 25. Um, and uh, the, you know, that's great value for where you get him. I see him right usually what in the 40s somewhere so yeah, I yeah you're, you're taking lot. you're taking the optimistic view of it um I, I think i share ben's sentiment a little bit more on the other side of it just from the standpoint of you're right the number two receiver that they've had the last three years because it's basically a four-year gap from when brandon cooks and michael thomas played together the one season 
And then since Cooks left, it's been Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith alternating. But the second receiver, the targets have averaged over that three-year span, 56 targets to that position with a high of 70. Now, obviously, Sanders is going to get more than that if he's healthy because he deserves more than that. He's not just a deep threat like those other guys would be. But I don't know where that's going to come from. And so that's, I think, the concern because if Kamara's healthy, we know he's going to get his. We know that Michael Thomas, obviously, is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 180, (laughs) as we saw last year. And then will Jared Cook get a little bit of a boost in targets from the way he finished at the end of last season? So we had Larry Holder of The Athletic on on HQ talking about the Saints receiving core. And he said that clearly uh, along the lines of RJ, like this is the the most experienced, polished number two receiver that Breeze has had since that time frame. Um, But we'll see if he has something. I mean, you referenced the the San Francisco uh, uh, portion of, of last year for him. He only really had two good games in that span. That's the thing, the concern uh, is he still has something left at 33, two years removed from an Achilles injury. So he's one of those guys, I think, if you're in the in the Sanders camp, you take him with a you know mid-round pick. If not, you probably just avoid him altogether. Yeah, I do think he can get some of those targets from Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas isn't going to break the record, you know, for rece- receptions and everything, even though we know he's going to be first in the offense by a wide margin. I think when you have a, a player as quality of Emmanuel Sanders, you don't have to throw it as much to Michael Thomas. Give him, you know, 9.5 targets a game instead of 12. Right. Or whatever. If, if he comes down from 180 to, let's say, 150 or 160, so you're talking 30, 35 targets. Um and Sanders gets that if he's if he's better than the average. So if let's say he's on the high end of that, that's 100 targets. If he's at the average, you're talking 85 targets. I don't know what he's going to be able to produce with 85 targets from a starting caliber fantasy option. It'd be a good bye week option at the very least. You yes, know, you throw for sure. him in, take him on your bench. I'm not I'm not taking him to be my second receiver yeah, yeah. in any of these leagues. Sure. I think Traquan Smith caught a touchdown in every home game he played with Drew Brees last year. Maybe no all but one. Though. What'd you say? No fans. No fans. Not gonna. I know it's obviously not gonna happen. I was just saying it's too bad that Traquan Smith won't be able to keep that up since there will be no fans and the Saints will be horrible at home. Uh, joking. Uh, what we've been talking a lot about running back strategy the last two days here on the show, RJ. Do you have a running back strategy you'd like to share? Yeah, I want to get one of those, um, you know, going down through the Aaron Jones. So the bottom of the second tier for me is Aaron Jones. I want to get probably two of those guys if I can. Um, I don't I don't like all the uh, uncertainty with the rookie running backs trying to deal with the Jonathan Taylors and the DeAndre Swifts. I don't like a lot of the uncertainty and play with some other teams, too. So if I have to get get James Conner as my number two, I'm happy with that. Um, if I have to get Todd Gurley, I think he's he's also one that I kind of like there. But I don't want to be waiting too long for my running back, too, and then trying to play catch up at the, the position the whole time. So give me two guys that I can lock in in the first two or three rounds. And then I can I can find receivers, you know, in that 25 to 40 range at receiver. There's enough guys that I like that I would be happy starting, you know, as one of my wide receiver threes. And last question is, how are you adjusting your draft strategies, your roster construction with COVID? Maybe are you more likely to take the handcuff for your running back or more likely to draft two or three quarterbacks or tight ends, whatever? Are you making any changes due to the uncertainty of the season? Um, I think that, you know, you're gonna have to be proactive on the waiver wire either way, you know, just because all these situations are going to come up that we don't know. I don't think you necessarily have to handcuff your specific running back, but you definitely want to be getting guys in productive situations um, that are backups that, you know, can step in and, and could blow up. You know, if they're the number two running back and all of a sudden the number one can't play, then that's, you know, a guy that you should be using. Whereas why would you draft, you know, the third or fourth best running back on a team that might be ranked higher. So um, guys that could apply there might be like a guy like Rykel Armstead, you know, if, if he didn't have much ahead of him, so he could end up playing more and he ends up being an end of the draft type guy. So I'm looking for situations like that for the most part. RJ, thanks a lot for coming on. Do you feel like we're done now? Like, should I end it? <laughs> you could do whatever you want. Okay. Just don't. You've already disrespected me twice with the applause and then the other thing. So don't, don't disrespect me a third time. I'm sorry. RJ, I- you said you like the pick six podcast better. Which host do you like better? Will Brinson or Adam Mazur? Just as a host. Or Jamie. Uh, uh, do I have to pick one? Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, n- neither one stands out above the other, but I got to go with my guy, Brinson. Let's just, let's just wow. say Brinson. Wow. RJ has the most, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, RJ has the most intimidating microphone I've ever seen. That thing is like a spaceship. It's like 20 years old or something. I got this <laughs> it's a good. long Sounds time Sounds pretty good. Um, all right. Well, that's it. RJ White, special guest. Thank you so much for coming on. That's NFL analyst for Sportsline. I think our promo code is, should still work. It's HUDDLE on Sportsline, your first your first month for a dollar. Incredible content. And that's only $9.99 after that. Sportsline.com. Use the promo code HUDDLE and join for just $1 for your first month. Incredible value. 
for all the advice you're going to be getting there. Dave and Jamie, thank you guys very much. Tomorrow we come back, wide receiver preview, part one. We'll do part two on Friday. We'll talk to you then on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.